Welcome to another episode of the Money and Business Hero podcast, where we talk about the three pillars of financial success, money mindset, money management, and money making. My name is Florian Fritz, and my guest today, Jay Zygmunt, is the founder of Child Free Wealth. And welcome to the show, Jay. Thanks for having me. So tell us a bit about yourself and why Child Free Wealth. Yeah, so... My background, I'm actually one of those weird people coming to to finance. I come out of healthcare originally. My PhD is in adult learning. I come out of the coaching world. And I realized, you know what? I can help people learn about money. And particularly, people who are child-free. My wife and I are child-free, meaning we don't have kids, not playing on kids. But when you do the certification to become like a CFP, it's never once mentioned in the literature of the concept even of being child-free. It's all before kids or after kids but didn't exist. So that's been my area of research and my area to dig into. Awesome. Very interesting. Now, um, I guess that most of the research is with kids because it's more difficult, right? To have with children and without. What, what do you think about that? It's not that it's more difficult or not. It's just the assumption everybody will. So we call it pronatalist bias. So there's just an assumption in life planning that says you will have kids. You know, it's kind of the clinic. The classic life plan is you go to school, you get married, you have kids, you buy a house, you retire, all that standard stuff. That's just built into the assumptions. To give you an idea, there was a study out of Michigan that found that 25% of those adults over 18 were either child-free or childless. So we're talking about a huge percentage, but yet all the financial literature just like, I don't know, ignores the group or assumes you're going to change your mind or you're going to just gonna have kids. Well, uh, I guess that's that's true. I've, I've, yeah, everything I see is the same. Before kids, after kids, uh, save for kids, college uh, education, whatever. So, what's the difference? What what? Uh, how have do you have to do your planning differently if you're not planning with kids? Absolutely. You know, you talk a lot about money mindset, and that's really what shifts. So, the way I look at it, when I work with child free folks, my question first is, what life do you want to live? Then, what are your finances? Then, are your taxes? So I'll give you an example. For child-free folks, retirement is a choice, not a requirement. Buying a house, choice, not a requirement. Giving money to the next generation, choice, not a requirement. Versus the standard plan that says you got to do all those things. And when you choose a different path, you can do pretty much anything you want. The way we say it is living a life of child-free wealth means you have the time, money, and freedom to do what you enjoy. The hard part there is, well, but what do I want to do? You know, I jokingly ask people, what do you want to be when you grow up? And it's like, I don't know. I don't have a script. I'm not following a plan. And in actuality, that flexibility of living the child-free life can be kind of paralyzing for some people. It's a paradox of choice of almost too much. Mm -hmm. And do you help people with that choice or do you just help them with creating the plan after once they made it? <laughs> so I do what's called life and financial planning. So I believe there's no way to pull out the finances from the life because I can make a financial plan that gets them to somewhere they don't want to be. A great example is so most, I mean, probably 90% plus of the people I've worked with that are child-free don't care about passing on money to another generation. You know, so whatever's left over, really, the way I look at it, my nephews get whatever's left over, but if they get 10 grand, 100 grand, I'm fine with that. But if they get a million dollars, I probably messed up. I should have given that away or spent it or done something in my life during that time frame. So once you have that assumption, it messes up all the financial software, all the financial planning, everything else. You know, if you look at it, most financial software uses like a Monte Carlo simulation. The whole goal of that is to not run out of money. 
Well, when child-free folks are trying to die with zero, essentially, if it says a 99% chance of success, that means a 99% chance of failure. So what I try to do with clients is figure out, okay, what life do you want to live? Then make sure the money goes and the finances go towards that. Like, for example, rather than following FIRE and financial independence retire early, they follow what's called FILE, financial independence live early. It's a dimmer switch for work of finding the right balance. And retirement may not ever be a goal. That completely changes the financial plan. Uh, actually, I love the sound of that, uh, live early. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and so I'll give you an example. So I just had somebody, a client who actually ended up on my podcast, share a story. A couple, they're called DINKS, dual income, no kids. That's the, the, the acronym. But she was working a government job, kind of you know, fine with it, but not really loving it. But, you know, a nice, stable position. But they had dual incomes. They could afford to live on one income. They embraced what we call the gardener and the rose. One person's growing, one person's providing support in the couple. She took a six-month sabbatical. Turned out, in the end, she ended up writing her first novel. And now she's on her way to publishing it and becoming an author. And that's where she is. And I talked to her. I said, hey, you know, you're making less money now. Let's be real. Authorships, you either like make a whole lot of money or you make none. There's nowhere in between. And I said, are you happier? She goes, "Then I happier than I've ever been. And that's the difference. That's that file lifestyle, that investing in yourself and making those uh, changes. And yeah, it probably set back her retirement, but retirement's not the goal. If she can be writing books for a living, she'd rather do that for the rest of her life. Yeah, and she had the opportunity, that we, which is great. So does being child-free make you rich and happy? So the data says on the rich question, and at least the U.S. Census found adults over 55, childless women... Single childless women have the highest net worth, but it's only by like a couple thousand dollars. Like it's statistically like not enough to matter. And I think part of that's because the goal is not to have the highest net worth. That's a different thing. But at the same time, I did a set of research when I was uh, surveyed to shy at 300 people, child-free, and I asked them, are you happy with your life? 94% said yes. That's an astounding amount when you look at the overall population. So it may not make you rich, but in general, it tends to make people happy. Well, people say that's more important, right? Well, I don't know. Is it to you? What do you think? You want the money or you want the happiness? Well, I want both. Come on. <laughs> but uh, if I if I did have to choose, probably being happy is more important than being rich. Well, the, that's my argument of, you know, you can be rich without having the money. That I mean, that, that's the, the old balancing act. I think the hard part is, uh, you know, so a lot of my people embrace die with zero. We're like, okay, cool. You could make more, let's call it happiness by investing in yourself than you might by investing in the stock market. Mm -hmm. And that's hard to reprogram people's brains and say, well, you know what? Maybe you don't need to save every penny. Maybe you can invest it in a new career, a new life, travel, whatever you want to do. And I actually spend more time talking to my clients about spending money than saving money which for a financial planner is probably not the norm. Not typical, probably, no. So no. what do you advise to spend money on? So my, I, don't, I don't judge what they spend their money on. It's more about that balancing act. So let me give you an example of this. So I have a lot of clients come out to me, you know, hey, when can I retire? My first question is, well, do you want to retire? And they go, no. Well, then why are we shooting for that goal? <laughs> you know, like, why, but that's just what we're taught. You know, you got to save for retirement. You gotta... I said, well, maybe you can invest in the things you enjoy. And it's been so common. I now have a thing called the blueberry problem I watch out for, where people are 
scrimping and saving, putting money away, and they're buying the frozen blueberries because they're a dollar cheaper than the fresh blueberries. And I'm like, just buy the damn blueberries. I mean, you're fine. Like, you can afford the dollar. But there's a mindset that says, hey, I just got to save. I got to save for the future. I got to save for time. And I'm like, or you could enjoy the blueberries. And it's funny that takes people a while to get used to like, you know, they've been saving every penny. And I'm like, go enjoy what you want. Get that extra drink or go out, travel, do whatever you want to do. And they're like, I can really afford that. I'm like, yeah, the dollar for the blueberries you can afford. But it's just against the standard mindset. Okay. So do you have some sort of money management system that tells people how many of the dollars they can put into blueberries and how much they should save for, I don't know, safety in case they can't work at some point anymore? So for the people that want to die with zero, we do three things. We figure out a plan for long-term care. So keep in mind in the US, long-term care is really expensive and everybody needs a plan for it. But child-free folks often get the question, well, who's going to take care of you when you're older because you don't have kids? And there's some assumptions in there that I don't agree with, but that's the question. So we figure out a plan for long-term care. We either put money aside or long-term care insurance, put off claiming Social Security to 70, put a little cash cushion for the end, which depends on their own their own, you know, comfort level. And then we focus it on how much do you have to spend each year to bring your net worth down, which is the not, not what people are used to. You know, you, you go to the safe withdrawal rate, 4%. That assumes you want to like keep it. You want to so we'll actually start working based on where their investments are and their structure and say, all right, you're earning a hundred thousand dollars in your investments. You need to at least spend that in order to bring it down. And it's just that hard shift in mindset. Because we protected the end by saying, okay, you got somebody to take care of at the end. You got the paperwork in place. You got, you're okay on that. You now need to figure out how to give and live and enjoy your money over the next time period. That's hard. And, and, and people come back to me like, they, they'll question all the, all the financial plan, all the software. We'll, we'll go through and do simulations. We'll do all the standard things. And I'm like, you're okay. And I, I get to a point where I'm like, look, I got a PhD, an MBA, and a CFP, and I say you're fine. And they're like, okay. Well, now what do I do? And I'm like, oh, what do you want to do with your life? And it becomes a challenge of what's the giving strategy, what's the, you know, enjoying and those type of things. And I don't have a setting answer because it depends on each person. Of course. Yeah, I, I understand that it's hard because that's completely the opposite of, of what we're trained, right? <laughs> it is. But here's the thing. What the bottom line is your money, you know, that you have to do something with it. And a lot of my people like the book Die With Zero. And the way you say it in there is you have a balance between your time, your money, and your health. At the end of life, you might have more time and money, but you may not have the health. How do you find the balance earlier? So you're giving earlier, you're living earlier, mm -hmm. and spending it. And it's okay if your retirement is put off because that might not be your goal. Maybe instead you put the money into your cupcake business that you want to start that's not going to make a lot of money, but you enjoy Those are the type of things that it's a different way of thinking. Awesome. Great. Uh, great thoughts. Uh, I think uh, those child-free people are very interested in, in getting to know about those, those thoughts that you really never, and I've never heard about those, which is, which is great. Very interesting. Uh, you've written a book about it as well, right? Yeah. So I, I went out and did a whole bunch of research because frankly, it didn't exist. Mm -hmm. You know, I was like, my question was like, are me and my wife weird? which by the way, we are, we're two PhDs. We're kind of a little weird anyway on our own. But the question is being child-free, are we weird? And I just wanted to see what people's lives are. So my first book, Portrait of Child-Free Wealth, is 26 stories, like 
people's real life and saying, well, how'd they get there? What's going on? How are they living their life? And it's really interesting when you start kind of walking through it and feel about why they chose to be child-free and how it impacts their life and all that. But you realize this common theme of, okay, I got time, money, and freedom. What do I do? Now, doesn't mean they're rich. You know, I got people that their success was getting off an air mattress and getting out of a real you know, bed. I mean, but I've got some people that retired at 40 and, you know, and then they went back to work or all different types of stories. But the challenge is and the ride that why the book exists is the examples weren't out there. The other thing is I get people questioning, well, you know, are these child-free people going to change their mind? Maybe it's just a fad, whatever. I got people who are sterilized at 21 and making decisions that, hey, they're, they're set for this for life. And that surprises people, you know, and it, I think the younger generations are actually, there's a, the data says a higher percentage are choosing a child-free life, which means they need, you know, essentially role models or kind of examples of what the life's like. So that's what the book's for. So more and more people following that uh, path, right? True. Uh, which is a problem for our pension system on the other hand. Well, okay. So this is where people go, well, we need constant growth for the economies, you know, and for pensions and social security. I go, okay, well, your problem is not with the child-free folks. Your problem is the system's not great. Because if you're in a constant growth, well, we can have discussions about the environment and, you know, all the other impacts. And, you know, Japan's having this big issue right now because their population has shifted and the, their child-free population, I forget the number I saw, it's like 30-something percent. It's much higher. And they're like, well, we got to like, they're trying to encourage people to have kids. And I'm like, well, first of all, you shouldn't get a vote in other people's lives if they're going to have kids or not. But they're like, well, the whole system's broken. I'm like, well, then the system has an issue, not whether or not people are having kids. And that's hard for people to figure out. You know, in the U.S., the social security system requires growth at the bottom in order to be sustainable. Yeah. Well, does that make sense? Yeah. You know, if you look at population rates around the world, they're dropping. Mm -hmm. So maybe we need to shift our pension systems and others. I don't have an answer. Like that's less way beyond my pay grade, but you know, you definitely we need to think have to do something about those systems. Yeah. You know, maybe you can figure that out. Maybe we'll put that on your list to, to do. No, not my topic. No. <laughs> Thank you. Same here. Not my pay grade. Now, talking about pay, uh, how important is money for you, Jay? You know, I am trying much harder to embrace this file life of the balance between, you know, what are you doing and why? Um, that being said, my parents always taught me whatever you're at, whatever you do, be the best at it. And that kind of argues with, you know, my life, I guess. Money is not the reason why I do things. I'm doing it more for the cause. I could, in theory, not work, but then I'd like, well, what do you do with the rest of your life? Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, it's it's really interesting when you say, okay, if money's not your priority, what would you do with your life? And people have that pause, like, I don't know, <laughs> you know, and that's that's where I'm at. You know, I had actually done well in my life, done different things. We I hit what it called the child-free midlife crisis. You hit your personal, professional, financial goals, and then you're like, now what? You know, and for a while I was like running a maple syrup farm and selling stuff online. What I don't know, whatever I could do, just to kind of like a midlife crisis. And then I said, well, you know, I could probably do better by helping people re reach their goals and learn about money. That's what I'm doing. The money is secondary, let's say. I'm not going to say it doesn't count. You know, I like nice stuff. I'm going to pay for my boat. But, you know, like, but beyond that. What boat do you have? I have a I have a Nordic tug 32, but you know it's 
the, I want a bigger boat later. But my point is the money isn't what matters. It's the lifestyle that comes with it. Mm-hmm. And for me and my wife, it's not about, hey, let's add more money at the end. So yeah, I tell my wife always, you know, she loves what she does. I said, she's not allowed to do work for free. And the reason I say is if, if you do work for free, people will take advantage. So charge what is appropriate, but don't do it for the money. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard to like reprogram your brain and say, yeah, we're okay. We don't have to pick up extra hours. We don't have to pick up extra work. We don't have to grind. And as an entrepreneur to say, you don't have to grind feels really odd. And usually if you don't do it for the money, but to actually give value to people, you'll get more money anyway. <laughs> well, that's it. You know, I, I follow the Zig Ziglar of you can have everything in life you want. If you help enough other people get what they want. So I just help people, by the way, I got a lot of clients that pay me, you know, and I, I'm not going to lower my rate. I do some free work, pro bono work just for the right thing to do. But I charge a market rate and people keep coming, you know, and I try to reinvest it into helping the community. Awesome. That's basically the next question. Uh, what's your purpose for money? Now, yeah. So first priority, what's the purpose for it? <laughs> you know, I think right now where we are in my life, my wife and I, we embrace the gardener and the rose. So one of us provides support, you know, it's growing. My wife is the rose. So my number one priority for life, for money in life is to do whatever she needs to get the support to do whatever she wants in her career. Now, then at some point I want to, you know, cut out and buy a big boat and travel the world or something. I don't know. But right now, if you ask me, why do I have a company? Why do I do what I do? It's to support my wife being able to do whatever she wants. Now, When you ask about the question about why I do it and why I do child-free, it's an underserved minority population. You know, you're talking about a, a large percentage of people that are getting bad advice. Because remember, if they want to dive to zero, if they work with a standard percentage-based financial planner, there's a conflict of interest. Because the financial advisor wants their net worth to go up always, and the child-free folks want it to go down. So I see it as a way to serve the community But I also spend a lot of my time in creating content, free content, books, things like that. So people can go, okay, how can we do it and do it differently and, and match our life? Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Thank you. Now, uh, last question. Uh, what's your best wealth building tip for our audience? My best wealth building tip is the simplest one that no, that, but people still argue is get out of debt and stay out of debt, which sounds really silly, but In the U.S., that's a huge problem, and it steals from your wealth. And people go, well, but I like the credit cards. I like the points. I like the – like, just get rid of the debt, and you can put the rest towards your investment and saving. And I get people, well, but I want to you know, take this loan for this. And I'm like, you know what? If you pay down the credit card, you get 20% tax-free, risk-free return. You're not going to beat that in, the inve in an investment. Do it. Well. And I'm like, hey, if you don't like, if you love credit cards, you love debt, I'm not the right person to help you. But my answer is get out of debt and stay out. As simple as it is. I think that's a very uh, good advice. Thank you so much. Now, uh, where can people get that book? Yeah, you can go to childfreewealth.com slash book. You can download a free copy. Wow, that's awesome. Thank you so much. And if everybody wants to reach out and or get help or ask questions, where they, where can they find you? Yep. Childfreewealth.com is the website or childfreewealth on Instagram. That's where we spend most of our time and we have the Child Free Wealth podcast.
You have a podcast as well. Oh, sorry. That's same same website? Yep. Perfect. So I'll share the link so you can find everything. Thank you so much for coming, Jay. Thanks for having me. Anything you want to add before we close this? Do we forget anything important? No, I think the, the thing to remember is figure out what life you want to live first, then your finances. And that's that's hard for some. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming. And thank you for listening. See you on the next show. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Money and Business Hero podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode and you got some value from it. Please take a moment to leave a rating or even better, a review. That helps awesome people like you to find the show and me to produce more and even better episodes. And don't forget to subscribe. If you want to get regular free tips, tools, techniques on how to build wealth and financial freedom, or simply how to improve your financial life in all three pillars of financial success, join my free Money Hero Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash Money Hero, find the link in the description, or find out more on the website moneyheroacademy.com. See you there.